Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. Well, Haley, of course, we were talking about this earlier on the podcast this week, but the Paradise Papers, they were leaked, revealing information about ex-prime ministers, even friends of the current prime minister, mm-hmm. even the Queen and Bono from U2, they were uh, caught up in uh, this big leak of information all about how people are uh, handling their wealth across the globe. Yeah, I think, well, the Panama Papers, and this is sort of a follow-up to it, was the largest leak ever of documents to journalists. And this at least details five times as many Canadian connections. Uh, so it's it's a massive deal and obviously a lot of follow-up that's going to continue over the few weeks as we get more information on that. But it's very interesting. It sort of shines a light on an area that often there's not a lot of transparency and it. it's hard to know what goes on. Yeah, and on the radio show, we are able to speak to Simon Fraser University Professor of Political Science, one Andy Hira, all about his thoughts on what the Paradise Papers mean for Canada, how we should pursue transparency, and whether there's going to be some changes afoot, not just because of this, but also in addition with the Panama Papers as well. But uh, that's going to be a discussion that we have with him after the break. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600, or you can check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. And the following is our conversation on Roundhouse Radio 98.3 with Andy Hira. He's a political science professor at Simon Fraser University. We're talking all about the Paradise Papers. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We're the daily business news program from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. From ex-prime ministers to a friend of the current prime minister, the newly leaked Paradise Papers are packed with revelations about how about 3,000 of Canada's richest citizens are handling their wealth. With us to talk about what these offshore financial havens mean for us in Canada is Andy Hira. He's a political science professor at Simon Fraser University. Andy, thanks for joining us on the show once again. Sure. Thanks for having me. So, look, maybe the argument here is uh, nothing illegal is being done. There's still lots to be revealed with regards to these Paradise Papers. But is is that a good enough argument when it comes to a lot of Canadians looking at some people? I don't know. They they don't have as nearly equitable break when it comes to uh, these tax arrangements here. Well, I think it's not only in Canada, but it's an international movement. We see that with the election of Trump, with the uh, uh, very strong uh, running of Le Pen in France. And with the Brexit vote that people across the world feel like their economic prospects are not the same as they were a generation ago. I see that in my classroom and students are living with their parents into their 20s and unable to afford housing and facing very difficult job prospects. So this is just a symbol of a, a growing dissatisfaction with the way the world economy is running. Is the release of these are leaking of these papers also um, just very problematic in a context where our national government is suggesting that there are a lot of uh, a lot of Canadians running small businesses that are taking advantage of a system and yet you see 
this flight of capital from our country into tax havens. Yeah, it certainly makes Trudeau's uh, suggestions about tax reform and you know fairness and giving a break to middle class and small businesses uh, seem a bit superficial, um, especially when it's his chief fundraiser that's been implicated in this. But let's face it, when you have three former prime ministers, when you have the Queen of England, <laughs> uh, this is not a uh, isolated practice. This is a common practice for wealthy people across the world. So if you consider that maybe, you know, nothing necessarily is going on that that's illegal, that does not violate Canadian laws at this point, should we have a review of what our laws are? Should we be changing the way that our tax laws work? Yeah, the tricky part is that if you start to crack down on some of these offshore havens, uh, it ends up being kind of a whack-a-mole game in the sense yeah. that... Um, for example, they started a crackdown in the European Union on some of the tax havens in the Netherlands, and then they just moved offshore to the Bahamas and the Caymans. And if you start cracking down on those, it may end up moving to Singapore or Macau or somewhere else. So the challenging part is it really needs to be a global effort. Otherwise, the concern is that uh, you will lose uh, the ability to run a financial sector in Canada. We can't even get a worldwide agreement on nuclear weapons. Um, how is it that we get any kind of worldwide agreement on tax havens? It's a it's a huge challenge to be sure, but uh, we have seen major progress, for example, in the U.S., where uh, in the past uh, five or six years they've passed uh, two new laws. One law says that any American who has $10,000 or more overseas has to report it. And the second is that... Uh, under the Trump administration, surprisingly, part of the tax package that's under review right now suggests that uh, American companies would get a break on their corporate tax rates, but in return, they would have to pay a minimum tax no matter where they earn the money. So these are signs that the regulatory authorities are recognizing thing, these things and are starting to move in that direction, but very slowly. In the European Union, as you know, there was a major case against Apple uh, mm -hmm. that's still ongoing, uh, because Apple has basically evaded uh, taxes for many years, like most companies have. And uh, Apple's response was to move its money from Ireland to uh, to the Isle uh, of Jersey, offshore of Britain. Well, I have to ask, though, because you bring up what's going on in the United States, we also have you know, Canada Revenue Agency. They came out and said that they've invested a billion dollars in tackling tax evasion. They've had 990 audits. Uh, they're undergoing 42 criminal investigations is this a sign that there's enough going on on the part of our authorities here in Canada? Can more be done in Canada as well? Well, fundamentally, we need to change the laws because most of this is legal. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyone going through a divorce uh, can uh, <clears throat> send their money offshore and it becomes almost impossible for the spouse to trace that money. Anyone, as we see with the Manafort case, who uh, receives money from uh, illegal sources, whether it's uh, from the Russians or from Morocco traffickers, can put that money in an offshore account into a shell corporation. And it's virtually impossible, you know, absent a major investigation to trace this money. So until we actually have laws that guide transparency, we're not going to make any progress. Uh, there's a gentleman named uh, Professor Deneau in Montreal. He looked at, we have these bilateral tax agreements with some of the Caribbean countries. And he points out that uh, actually the net result of those tax information exchange agreements that Canada has with these countries is to just further obfuscate uh, those accounts. And now Canada itself has become a haven for offshore money.
Hmm. I've seen estimates of anywhere up to ten billion dollars a year that um, that essentially is is not taxed in Canada, does not go into government coffers here uh, by virtue of of uh, sheltering of, of funds in tax havens. But it's pretty clear that it's it's unlikely that that money would actually get back to Canada fully. So, is there a middle option here, Andy, in terms of what might happen in the, in the near future? It's true that uh, not all of the money would come back, but there's a stronger principle here, which is a kind of a principle of fairness. When you have companies that benefit from public infrastructure, that benefit from our education system, that use our healthcare system, and basically are not paying their fair share of taxes, uh, you're going to create great social rifts. And we're seeing that with the Brexit vote, with Le Pen, with Trump. There's just an increasing sense of unfairness in our society. And we can't run democracies under those kinds of situations. Um, when you feel that uh, the top 1% are getting a different deal than you, um, then the social fabric uh, starts to break down. So I think it's, uh, the question goes beyond just the amount of money that you could recoup to a fundamental question of fairness. Our guest today is SFU political science professor Andy Hira. We're talking all about the leak of the Paradise Papers, and it makes me think back to last year, Andy, when we heard about the Panama Papers coming out. And I'm just wondering, since that time, have we seen a bit of an uptake with regards to interest in this? Have there been any changes? I'm just wondering if this is going to be enough to spur people on to do more. Well, we need uh, the media to keep the spotlight on this, and it's a very, very complicated issue. Uh, to try to track and uh, and uh, start to divulge some of these things, it uh, requires uh, investigative journalism uh, at the highest level because we're talking about billions uh, of documents here that need to be sorted through. Um, but at least we can say that there have been consequences. You know, the Prime Minister of Iceland had to uh, resign from office yeah. after uh, these revelations, and there's obviously pressure on Bromfin now the Trudeau's fundraiser. So there have been very serious consequences. And uh, I already mentioned some of the reform efforts in the European Union and the US. So we're actually behind the ball in terms of trying to re require Canadians to at least declare their assets from overseas. When the US government did that a few years ago, it gave a honeymoon period and then lots of money uh, was declared. Um, during that period. And what this has done is it allowed this whole case for Manafort to unfold. Because if that law wasn't in place, he would have done nothing illegal. But the fact is, he and his uh, crony Gates didn't declare their money overseas. And so that opens the wedge to this corruption, uh, not to mention the fact, of course, that he had meetings and received money from a uh, candidate aligned with Putin. What do you think the likelihood is, though, as a as a political science professor watching the Canadian scene quite carefully, that Canada might uh, effect some kind of amnesty of the same kind? I think that uh, that it's an evolutionary process, and I think we're going to start to move in that direction. When the prime minister himself is touched, when the Montreal Canadiens are, when Loblaws, Hydro-Quebec, Petro-Canada, all of these companies have been revealed by the Paradise Papers as parking their money offshore. And while they're doing it illegally, essentially they are evading taxes. When this uh, news starts to come to the light of day and the middle class, you know, the average middle class person in Canada is paying 25%, 30% in taxes, albeit with some deductions, uh, the system is revealed to be uh, fundamentally unfair. 
And so something needs to be done about this, or obviously there's going to be a populist backlash. Well, when you also consider the fact that there's been pressure mounting over conflict of interest with ministers at Ottawa, Bill Morneau has been a big focus. This isn't the same as, say, tax evasion uh, so much. But, I mean, do you think there is mounting pressure overall for more transparency within Canadian government, maybe on multiple levels? I think so. And and we saw that even with the Senate scandal under Harper. I think there's increasing scrutiny about these potential conflicts of interest. I mean, even going back to Paul Martin and the contracts that he had from the government, um, there's no question that there has been allegations. And that's part of the reason why the Liberal Party lost power for some time. There were uh, strong allegations about conflicts of interest. And if those start to rear their heads again, uh, you'll start to see politicians from the opposite side really take advantage. So you don't think there's a kind of a quiet pact here that uh, that that keeps uh, high net worth people coming into politics? Uh, that you know, in exchange for that, they they require a, a bit of a um, a political and policy based shield of their of their holdings. Oh, there's no question. There's no question in in Canada, the U.S., and the European Union. These banks have been sheltered. Uh, we all know that part of the reason why Trump got elected was because. The Wall Street banks were never held accountable. Only one bank has actually been held criminally liable. It was a small Chinese bank uh, in the middle of Chinatown in New York City. No one else has been held criminally liable for what were essentially deceptive practices uh, that were conducted by Wall Street, and Canadian banks were part of that, uh, that problem. And so the global financial system is very closely aligned with the political system. And so it's it's really important for investigative journalists to try to push the information out there so that ordinary citizens can understand, uh, you know, this this pact, as you put it, uh, that's happening. And in the U.S., it's, of course, much worse because you need to raise millions of dollars every two years to get elected to Congress. You need to raise tens of millions of dollars to be elected to the Senate, even though you're an incumbent. And where is that money going to come from? Well, a lot of it is coming from financial houses. We're seeing that, especially with the tech companies. Uh, the U.S. Senate just uh, had some inquiries uh, of Google and Apple, and I mentioned the EU case against Apple. It's estimated that Apple has $2 billion of cash offshore. So how can Apple claim to be a good corporate citizen when it's parking most of its assets abroad? Well, Andy, always a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you for joining us on the program today. Thank you very much for having me. That is Simon Fraser, University Political Science Professor Andy Hira, and you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Stay with us. And that was Andy Hira, Political Science Professor from SFU. We're talking all about the Paradise Papers there. I'm just fascinated about, we're going to see more come out of this though, Haley, and I'm fascinated by what actually transpires and how the fallout's going to impact a lot of people in high up places. Well, because by nature, it's an international story. And we have like the Canada Revenue Agency, obviously, here investigating it. But it takes international solutions to some extent, right? Yeah. That's an interesting one we'll certainly be following. But that's it for our podcast this week. This podcast was brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can find past radio shows, past podcasts, and more business news at BIV.com, as well as our work. Tyler, where can people connect with you on social media? Yeah, find me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. You can also check out my stories, your stories too, Haley, at BIV.com. What about you? Where can we find you online? My handle is at Haley Wooden. I'm mostly on Twitter. Feel free to say hi or reach out to us 
on our website. Again, thanks for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. We'll be back tomorrow.